People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Hello, hello, hello. There's just too much happening in this world today, but we're going to talk about something that particularly interests me, and I'm sure most of the listeners to this show, Outspoken. What in heaven's name happened in Colleyville, Texas? A 12-hour standoff at Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue in Texas with four hostages who, by the way, escaped unharmed and a suspect is dead. And that suspect was reportedly armed British national named Malik Faisal Akram, 44 years old, and they're really not sure uh, what happened or why he was doing what he was doing. Some sort of explanation was he was talking about um, someone who, uh, a woman who was locked up for doing, uh, for murdering some officers. I mean, it's not really clear to me about this, but what's more important to me is why did someone come from England or Britain to go to Colleyville, Texas? in order to take four hostages in a synagogue. It's very strange. The other thing that's interesting to me is that, well, that suspect is dead. And I think that bears some conversation as well, as this was a person of the Islamic faith, evidently. And, of course, that suspect is dead, uh, while Dylan Roof, who murdered a bunch of churchgoers who welcomed him into their church in the African-American church, uh, got out alive. And, well, I heard that they took him to McDonald's or Burger King. I'm not sure. But this is a very bizarre thing. And I do have a guest with us today who I was quite impressed with his article. It was called Anti-Semitism and the Perennial Conspiracy Theory. And his name is Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld. It occurs to me that Jewish people seem to, I don't know, have a lot of power in this country that, and, and, and in fact run the world and maybe even the uh, outer space. But there's only 2% of us in the United States and 0.02% of us in the world. It's just incredible how such a minority can have that much power both in the world and in outer space as well. And we'll get into the QAnon theories today. Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld is the author of God, Guns, Capitalism, and Hypermasculinities, Commentaries on the Culture of Firearms in the United States. Also, he's written The What, The So What, and The Now What of Social Justice Education, Warren's Words, Smart Commentary on Social Justice, and he is the editor of Homophobia, How We All Pay the Price. Additionally, he was a co-editor of Readings for Diversity and Social Justice and Investigating Christian Privilege and Religious Oppression in the United States, and a co-author of Looking at Gay and Lesbian Life. Today, he is an instructor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst in the Social Justice Education Program. How are you, Warren? I'm great. Thank you so much. I feel honored to be a part of your show. I appreciate that. And today, I'm calling this show Anti-Semitism and the Convenience of Scapegoating the Jews. And I think we can talk a little bit about scapegoating as part of the Jewish experience. I'd like to hear a little bit from you about this aspect. That's a perfect title for this because Jews have been the perennial scapegoats 
for the last 2,500 years, when a regime or a country is facing problems, they always blame the Jews for their internal problems. And we have always been this welcome scapegoat to autocrats, for dictators, for kings. So in many ways, we remain one of the chief scapegoats in countries whose economies might be failing. We're blamed for that for all the other problems in in a country when the demographics of a country changes comes the conspiracy about the replacement controversy that jews are responsible for changing the demographics that we are trying to replace the majority of the country with unwelcomed outsiders in europe we're blamed for replacing white Europeans with primarily Middle Eastern Muslims. And in this country, the United States, we're blamed for changing and reducing the white population and replacing them with brown people from our southern borders. You make a really good point because the Charlottesville example, the Jews will not replace us. And yet, exactly. if, if we're 2% of the United States, how exactly are we replacing those who are in power or in the majority? I'm not understanding the well, rationale for this. Year after the Charlottesville demonstration, the perpetrator of the murder of 11 congregants in the Tree of Life synagogue in Philadelphia said that he was going in because the, uh, there was a committee at the Tree of Life that was working on refugee resettlement mm-hmm. and blamed the Jews for bringing all these brown people into the United States, helping refugees escape terror, war, enslavement, and blamed the Jews for that, even though, as you said, we are a mere 2%, actually, we're 1.9% oh, of the me. American <laughs> population <laughs> as the latest statistic. Mm. I mean, you're, you're, you're very close. Oh, I okay. it off. But we're replacing them with foreigners. Because of our social activism, we're blamed for helping refugees. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, we're not the only ones. There are a, a number of you know, religious organizations and civil rights organizations that are helping resettle people from Syria, people from uh, war-torn countries. So we are the major instigators, according to these people, of changing the demographics Uh and basically saying that they believe that as their numbers shrink, they will have less civil rights than people of color. Even uh, this weekend, I, Saturday night in, I think it was in Atlanta, the twice impeached former president, failed president, Donald Trump, said that all this multiculturalism in the United States is making it imperative that people of color get vaccines first and white people will be at the back of the, he even used the words, back of the line and won't be able to access these vaccines because uh, there won't be enough because people of color will have them on a first-come, first-served uh, basis. And somehow, somehow that has to do with the Jewish people. I mean, I think you made an interesting oh, yeah. point about 
the foreignness, you know, allowing foreigners in. Historically speaking, there's certainly the case that Jews were seen as foreigners no matter what country they went to. And so in this country are also seen as those foreigners. Uh, You made a really good point. Uh, in your writings, and that is you see anti-Semitism as racism. And I, I wonder oh, yes. if you'll talk a little bit about that. Well, it is a form of racism. I mean, if we just look at the social construction of race, there's no such thing as race genetically. There are genes for our, our skin color, how much melanin we have in our skin, our hair texture, and our facial features. But there's no gene for race. There is no such thing as race. Race is a social construction that was developed in the 15th century in order for Christian colonists to seize lands from non-Christian peoples around the world and justifying it that these were not full human beings, that these were lower forms of life, so therefore we can take their lands, we can take their resources, we can take their properties. So this whole notion of race was developed in the 15th century. There is no such thing as race. And also, Jews are of every so-called constructed race. Right. You know, Jews are from all around the world. I mean, there are Asian Jews, there are black Jews, there are white Jews. You know, there are Middle Eastern Jews who live in Arab land. So there is no such thing as race, but we have been constructed as a separate race. I mean, in the Middle Ages, there were even these notions that there were multiple pairs of Adams and Eves. Oh, dear. Do tell me about this. (laughs) The original original (laughs) pair was the Aryans, the Christians. I see. This other pair of Adam and Eve's were the birth of Jews, and they were a lower form, and they're a different, distinct racial type from the Aryans. And this United States author, at the turn of the last century, wrote this book called Decline of the Great European Races, and he formulated these four distinct European races. One was the Nordics. Those were the people from Northern Europe who were considered to be the highest form of human being. The next level was the Alpines. As we're going down south, it's, it's those in the higher mountainous areas. They were the second class. The third class, which was the lowest form of the regular Europeans were the Mediterraneans, the Greeks, the Italians, the Spanish. They were considered to be lower forms, but even lower than that were Jews. Mm. Jews were not considered to be of any of the other three. And like we have this whole notion of one drop of blood theory that if you have one ancestor way back who is African, then you are black. The same notion that Madison Grant imposed that Any person who has these other, any of these other three racial types, if you have one Jewish ancestor, you're Jewish, and you're the lowest form. And some of the theory was that during the Jewish diaspora in the Middle Ages, when Jews were thrown out of Europe, and specifically Spain, and moved to North Africa, that we, during the diaspora, we married and produce children with black Africans. And then, therefore, since then, we are a so-called lower race or a so-called bastardized race that if allowed to interbreed with any of the other three, the Nordics, the Alpines, or the Mediterraneans, we will degrade their racial status even further. Hold that thought because I want to go into the supernatural, but we'll be right back with more questions and answers and conversation with Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld. 
Our podcast today is made possible by the generous support of My Little Flower Shop in Palm Springs. They are the premier full-service floral and event design studio in our beautiful desert cities. The staff has more than 50 years of experience designing, planning, and executing one-of-a-kind, high-profile social, corporate, and charity benefit special events. That experience includes the Academy Awards and presidential inaugurations. So whether you are planning a wedding, a birthday, showers, or anniversary parties, or you're organizing a big banquet, My Little Flower Shop uses only the finest flowers and will help you celebrate in style. Everyday arrangements, wedding bouquets, centerpieces, and amazing unique designs. Call My Little Flower Shop. Open daily, 9 to 5. The phone number is 760-778-7111. That's 760-778-7111. And visit them online for visual inspiration, mylittleflowershop.com at 861 North Palm Canyon in Palm Springs. They're open for delivery and an official sponsor of Outspoken. We're back with Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld, and he is at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where he is an instructor in social justice education program at the College of Education. Warren, about these identification of races, and I I think let's step a little bit into the supernatural, and let's talk a little bit about horns, tails, other definitions of Jews, the Sistine Chapel, horns on Moses. Let's talk a little bit about those kinds of things. Okay, in the Middle Ages also, we were considered to be fathered by the devil. And these were coming from Christian theologians, even in the Christian Testaments, codified in the Christian Testaments, these notions that Jews basically are fathered by the devil. I remember when I was in the fourth or fifth grade, this Catholic student asked to see my horns and tails because she said that her mother told her that Jews were fathered by the devils and therefore have horns and tails. And I went home to my mother and said, what what does she mean? And said, oh, that's some bigotry against Jewish people. But I can read you some of the testaments in the Christian Testaments. And Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. But your father, the Jews, is the devil, and you choose to carry out your father's desires. And that was in John eight forty four In Revelation 2, 9, the Jews are of Satan's synagogue. I will make those of Satan's synagogue who claim to be the Jews, but are lying frauds, come and fall down at your feet. Revelation 3, 9. I can keep going. Well, you know, but, this is there, there's there's a there's a question I have, and I'm sure this is may or may not be the forum to discuss this, but I'm very confused by the idea that Satan and God are two different people, because I thought God was everything and and all. So how could Satan not be part of God? And if that's, I mean, this is a very confusing theology to me. Christianity is based on binaries, the left and the right. The left hand is controlled by the devil. The right hand is controlled by God. That's why in some Catholic schools they would tie a student's left hand behind their back if they were left-handed and force them to write with their right hand. reason why we have the gold ring on the left hand in marriage ceremonies is because the left hand is essentially evil, and gold is a metal that sucks out 
if you have a sty in your eye and you rub it with a gold ring, it really sucks out the infection. It really does that. So they put the gold ring on the left hand to suck out the inherent evil that's in the left side of the body. If you are excommunicated from the Catholic Church, you are excommunicated on the left side, uh, the door on the left side of the altar in a Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church is founded on on binaries, good, evil, God, um, humans, right, wrong. I think this uh, this poses a number of issues, <laughs> this right and left ideas, obviously. If you're the extreme right, which is what I've heard the term used this week that I just kind of love, and if you're on the left, uh, the case is made uh, for those who believe in the fundamentalist Christian faiths, and I think not just in the Catholic faiths, but also in the evangelical world, which is oh, yeah. what we're seeing problematic now. But before we get into that, I do want to say I also experienced... Let me see your horns moments in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I, there was a case, and, and this brings us back to why I thought a show like this was important right now because of what's happened to Colleyville in Texas, which I still, as I said at the top of the show, cannot figure out why a British national would come to Texas in order to play out the, that particular scene. But I had an aunt who married outside her faith or or her religion or her culture of Judaism and being Jewish herself. And her husband was a Texan. So they went back to visit his family in Texas and it was quite ranch or rural oriented. And people came from miles around to come and see the Jewish woman because they wanted to see her horns. Yeah, It's an amazing moment that we are still in that time and space where people believe that Indeed, Jewish people have horns. Uh, certainly, George Soros seems to be the devil incarnate to most uh, most of those on the extreme right. We well, see- and the QAnon theory is that they're they're accusing George Soros of funding the caravans coming from South America up to the north to replace white people. He's like the boogeyman right now. As in before this time, it was other wealthy Jewish families that were supposedly controlling banking systems. Mm -hmm. Right, the Jewish um, bankers are ruling the world. You know, if we were ruling the world, why do we have so much persecution? I mean, if we had that kind of power, wouldn't we stop this? we're not persecuted, is there? We are the persecutors. They turn it around. Mm -hmm. We are the manipulators. We are the controllers. We are the, and and many of these stereotypes are self-exclusionary. First of all, we're freedom-killing communists who are trying to destroy the capitalist system. And on the other side of it, we're these super capitalists who are super wealthy and controllers of capitalism. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. It, it, it's like we're also, Jewish females are oversexed and they're also sexually frigid. <laughs> Jewish males are trying to have sex with Christian women, but on the other side of it, we're feminized males, we're non-sexed, we're non-athletic. I mean, even in the Middle Ages, there was this myth going around that Jews would kidnap Christian infants and would force circumcision on them and then kill them and use their blood in the making of our sacred bread of matzah. Right. And there was a myth going around that because Jewish men were circumcised, they themselves menstruated and they needed the blood from Christian babies to replenish 
their bodies in the blood that they lost during menstruation. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is quite complex. I, I, you know, it's amazing yeah. that people can put this much time into this kind of information. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if this brain power was used for something to really move the common good forward? It would be kind oh, of incredible. Right. I was going right to that place where you brought in the QAnon. That's exactly where I was headed in my conversation right now with you. And what I find with the QAnon theories is that no matter what it is and no matter where it goes, it still ends up, and that's why in the beginning of the show I said we seem to control space and lasers from space. I mean, these are phantasmagorical stories of the powers that we seem to have and yet are powerless at the same time. And what you've just described in the Middle Ages tells us that the QAnon theories and conspiracies are basically the same theories. Maybe yeah. a laser wasn't spoken about in that time period, right. but they're not essentially different than they were back then. And the persistence of this seems to be the fear of, and this is always what I find, Jewish people must be terribly smart, but mm. for some reason, the fear of the brains or the intellectual abilities of the Jews is also what makes the men somehow effeminate. So does that mean essentially women are really smart and the Jewish men parallel that? I mean, can you break that down for me a little bit? Well, I I think the whole feminization, there's a real anti-intellectual strain throughout the centuries, but also in the United States. There's this real anti-intellectualism. And in order to be the alpha male, you have to be strong and athletic and sports-oriented and not necessarily that good intellectual. And Jews have always been seen as the people of the book, not only of the Torah, but also of learning in general. And we have been seen as being feminized because we put a lot of work into our intellectual studies, into our intellectual capacity. So that in some ways, lowers the Jewish man on the scale of alpha versus beta. We have seen as as seen as being the beta males. Mm -hmm. Um, Because might um, doesn't necessarily make right, I think. So exactly. But with the QAnon, yes, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said that the forest fires in California were not due to climate change, but because Jews have these space lasers, and they're using their space lasers to burn down these forests in order to promote this idea that climate change is humanly facilitated. But in the Middle Ages, Jews were accused of poisoning drinking wells causing the Black Plague. That's right. The Black Plague That's was, right. Was, was picks from rats. And now QAnon is saying that Jews are responsible for covid This is another way of Jews to ensure the replacement theory by killing off all of these white Europeans. And I mean, I don't get it. You know, when I tell my students, you know, when they say, and I don't understand what all this is, what are you saying? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And I said that I said, your main problem is you're using logic and reason. And logic and reason won't work in this because it's illogical. It's unreasonable. So if we try to figure it out by using logic and reason, we will always be confused. Well, I think what, um, and I want to go into this a little bit about uh, this, it's part of the the title of one of your books, this hyper-masculinity. Because I think 
the rise of fascism and the fact that we're actually in that moment in time right now from my point of view. I don't know if you agree yes. with me with that. Yes, I do. But when I usually talk, I, first of all, any Jewish person who has any background in their own background in history knows that this is the moment in time. This is, you know, like from my point of view, we're yeah. steps before Kristallnacht. <laughs> you know, yes. that's how I see it. And when I explain this or try uh, or, or talk about this, and this can go back to, we saw it in the Crusades. How many people never got to Jerusalem? What did they do instead? They took over Jewish towns and took, and, you know, yeah. and robbed them. And I mean, that's really, them. that's right. That was the actual activity of the Crusades for that one moment in time when some of them finally reached Jerusalem and, and still couldn't really win back Jerusalem at that point in right. time. But to talk about that, this rise of fascism, when I talk about it, I always start with the reason that I'm talking today is because, well, as we know about fascism, it never ends up too well for the Jews because uh, it goes back to that scapegoating moment. And even the invention of scapegoat was to put the community's sins upon the head of a ram rather than sacrificing Mm -hmm. people. Yes. Right? So We are the ram. We are the ram. (laughs) We are the goat that they're putting out into the wilderness, but they're not just putting us out in the wilderness. Um, there's this cycle of anti-Semitism throughout the ages. It's a conversion, expulsion, extermination. Oh. We, uh, basically, you can't stay in our country unless you convert to Christianity. Okay, after you convert to Christianity, okay, you can't stay in our country. We're, you're expelled, thrown out of our country, and then you can't live. Mm-hmm. So you can't live here as Jews. You can't live here, and you can't live. And the cycle repeats itself, and in many ways, the culmination was uh, the Jewish Holocaust, but one of the conspiracy theories is is that the Holocaust never happened. Right. We're seeing more and more of that. Well, this is becoming mainstream conversation. Yes. The denial of the Holocaust. I want to just put that line between hyper-masculinity and fascism. Can you talk a little yes. bit? Do you see that, that line, the way that I see oh, that? Well, I mean, Lawrence Britt, he's a political science professor, has 14 characteristics of fascism. I'll just go over something really quickly. Power and continuing nationalism. Disdain for the recognition of human rights. Identification of enemies. Scapegoats as a unifying cause right there. Scapegoats. Supremacy of the military, rampant sexism. Anything itself that is considered to be feminine is anathema to the fascist state and the, and the authoritarian leaders. So sexism, misogyny, heterosexism is a prominent feature. I mean, even Hitler, even before he took power in 1933 in the... Baerbachter, which was a Nazi propaganda newspaper, said that homosexuals had to be eliminated because homosexuals feminized the German state and would not be ready to fight in any future war. Mm. So hypermasculinity is a paramount pillar of fascism. Mm-hmm. So before we end this conversation today, and I do hope you will come back for further conversations. I'd love to. That would be great, and I appreciate you doing that today. But do you have any sort of theories about why Colleyville and why that particular synagogue by any chance? And Yes. You do? Okay. Um, I'm ready well, to listen. Well, first of all, I, I know the rabbi. He's oh. the husband of a former colleague of mine, and... 
alum at in my program at the Social Justice Education Program. He is an, an amazing rabbi. He has reached out to other faith groups in, in his community. He works regularly with other synagogues, with mosques, with churches, and he's a very well-respected person. But I believe that the, the uh, hostage-taker chose that town, he said, because it was the closest synagogue to the airport for his getaway. So he particularly chose a synagogue in the state that was holding Siddiqui, who oh, was the Siddiqui. woman. That's right. Yeah, Siddiqui, uh, who was the woman who was sentenced for attempting to kill U.S. service members in Afghanistan. Okay. And I heard today that also his two sons in England were arrested. So they're trying to find that in, in England, you don't have to have a, a charge immediately. So I don't know if a charge has been given, but it's no coincidence that I believe one of the reasons why he chose it, not only Texas, because that was Siddiqui is, but because of the easy accessibility of firearms in this country. Ah. He could not get a firearm in England. So you come to the United States, we have 400 million firearms. Almost 20 million of those are, are military-grade weaponry. And it's, he had no problem. We don't know exactly where he got it, but he got it as a non-citizen coming to this country, going to Texas and getting guns. Right. It, it was easy accessibility. So I think that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons. That really makes it clear because I do remember reading a report where he bought the guns off the street. Yes. The access to firearms in Texas is what caused the actual issue. But interestingly enough, he is dead. And as I think we know, other certainly the insurrectionists are still alive. Uh, So I think the parallel there is racism within racism exists because if he had been maybe a white supremacist, Oh, he would go to Burger King. This is exactly my point. So I am so happy that you came on to talk about anti-Semitism, the convenience of scapegoating the Jews, and Dr. Warren Blumenthal, thank you, and we will talk to you again. Thank you so much. 